Welcome to A Drink with a Friend. I'm Seth Haynes. And I'm Tish Oxenreiter. Tish. Yeah. What are you imbibing today? Um, it's boring. It's black coffee, but that's okay. And it's actually not that boring because it's coffee we got in Costa Rica a few weeks ago. And we like that was our main souvenir, just bringing home coffee. Um, Because Costa Rica, they do coffee. They do it pretty well, too. So it's good. It's just your basic kind of average run-of-the-mill Costa Rican coffee, and I like it. And I'm drinking it in my fabled mug, which is a local bookstore up in Waco that I really dig. So it feels good to be drinking black coffee. Okay, that's good. I like fabled. That's a great bookstore. It is a great bookstore. Yeah, how about you? What are you drinking? Well, I just finished, as you can see, I just finished my um, shaker <laughs> of Athletic uh, Greens. Yes. Which was good. I feel somewhat high right now on life and greens um, yep. because I'm so tired. I've been, again, still working a lot. Uh, it's probably going to happen through December. And I find that when I drink my Athletic Greens, this is, which is completely non-sponsored. This is a non-sponsored promotion. Yeah. Uh, Lucky them. I feel better. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. So the kids call it green sludge, but I don't care. It's really good. I, who cares, man? Stuff's good. It's great. It, it makes good. me feel better. So good that's you. what I just finished drinking. Very grown up and responsible of you. Yeah, well, I sometimes I try. So, Tish, this week you sent out what felt like a very important email to me. <laughs> in your Substack newsletter. Yeah. Um, and here's why. And again, this is, we're going to be talking about social media today. So buckle up. Um, and you had some caveats in your um, newsletter that I want to talk about, but it felt like a really important email because it finally felt like you made an act, like a commitment. You are like, okay, well, let's call a thing a thing. I'm mm-hmm. going to stop screwing around. Here's what I'm doing. Is that fair? It's 100% fair. And that's why I wanted to write it because it kind of felt silly to even write it, right? So for those who haven't read it yet, it's completely fine. It's basically a little treatise, an essay of sorts of why I have now left Instagram. And, you know, it's a couple thousand words about an app. (laughs) And it felt over the top, but I needed it for me. Like I really needed to write this thing to give myself the closure I needed and the like the clarity I needed, which I explain in the essay. But yeah, it was it was a line in the sand for sure. And then I said goodbye on Instagram. So it's a done thing now. So let's let's start there. Tell me first of all, what was the response when you said goodbye on Instagram? Well, it's only been, I don't know, a couple hours. So I did it late today, late late this morning. So far, 100% of the people have said, I think this is a great choice. Like, nobody is asking me to stay. (laughs) Um, They're saying, like, I get it. Well done. Lead the way. I could print and highlight this whole thing and pin it to my wall, meaning my my essay. So I think a whole lot of us are feeling it. And that's why it's maybe worth having this conversation. Not because it's really about me, because it's not. I mean, who cares if I'm on Instagram? Nobody. Um, But Instagram is a huge part of our culture. So it's worth talking about. Yeah. So you just said uh, feeling it. I think a lot of us are feeling it. So tell me, what is the feeling? What are you feeling? Um, Well, 
I know a lot of us started on Instagram, gosh, for me, it was probably 10 years ago now, um, when it was just kind of a simple, pure app for sharing photos. And that was it. In fact, I don't even think at first you could share links, if I remember correctly. It was like literal photos and you couldn't share anything but the the photos you took on your phone. I mean, you know, it was just very rudimentary and that's what kind of made it great. You know, that there wasn't a lot of um, of the attention economy built in. And then 10 years later, it feels like it's become this Frankenstein's monster where um, I, I could just point out all different appendages that have been added onto it or, or just ways that it's been tweaked and bent out of shape into kind of an unrecognizable thing that it used to be. And so I think the feeling I have now is just kind of this like, um, you're not the boss of me, Instagram. And so it's kind of a little bit of that, like when you walk out of a place of business with your box of your cubicle stuff, and you just kind of think I have time now, which is silly, because Instagram was never the boss of me, but it felt good, like actually letting it know it's not the boss of me. I don't know. You showed Instagram. <laughs> yeah, they really care. I know everyone in those that headquarters is shaking in their boots that I've left. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it, they may not be shaking their boots that you left, but if you leave and then 10 of your followers leave and 10 of their followers leave and so forth and so on, they might actually be yeah. shaking their boots. You may have started <laughs> the Instagram apocalypse. Who knows? We can't really say. Um, you mentioned You mentioned something just a second ago, the attention economy. And so... We have listeners who may or may not be familiar with that idea. Mm -hmm. So explain to us, what do you mean when you say like the attention economy, what are you getting at? Yeah, I'm not sure who first coined that idea, whether that was Jaron Lanier or Tristan Harris or some of those Silicon Valley thinkers. But the basic idea is that all these social media platforms are free to use uh, financially, like meaning none of us pay a monthly membership fee to use it. And so, but it's got to cost them something, right? These things are not cheap places to host. And so it costs something. And the way it works then is um, for them to make money running these things, they have to manipulate us in such a way so that we can pay attention to what they want us to pay attention to, be it ads, be it, you know, political ideas, cultural shifts, what have you. Don't even need to get into that. Um, and so the currency of these places becomes our attention, our literal eyeballs, our, our literal brain. And um, they have all the powers. You know, they're the the man behind the curtain with the levers and the levers being able to pull and, and finagle it just so, so that not only are we paying attention to what they want us to pay attention to, but there's not even a us. Like my... Instagram feed can be so customizable to me, me like Tish Oxenwriter, to where it looks vastly different than yours, Seth Haynes. And they, they're spot on. They know exactly what type of ad would compel us to click through. They know what would make us pause, maybe what would make us angry because angry keeps us scrolling. And so it, it stopped a long time ago being this delightful, simple place where friends can share photos of their puppies and babies and an occasional vacation picture, you know, which and and I say that to remind people like 
that 99.9% of its users are delightful human beings who aren't asking to be manipulated. Like I'll bet you all of our listeners who are on Instagram are on it just for the purity of the thing, not because they want to wield it in some way and manipulate the attention economy, but it's just, it is what it is in its framework. I think that's, this kind of is a good question. You can you, can we do an experiment? And if this doesn't work, we can totally edit it out. No one has to know that we did it. Um, can you open your Instagram app right now and tell me how many uh, posts are there between mm-hmm. ads? Okay. And then for your first three ads, yeah. tell me, you know, what are okay. they? So photo and then ad. So there was one photo and then an ad and it is for organic clothing. I'm, I'm perfectly. Mm, yes, that's definitely not in my no. feed. And then photo from a friend. Another friend, but it's the same friend in a row, and then an ad. So three, and then an ad. And it is for a woman's magazine. Um, also not no. in my feed. And then a friend, a friend, and then an ad. So basically it went one, an ad, three, an ad, although all three of those were from the same person, and then two, and an ad. And the ad is for boots, like organic boots, basically, <laughs> from Portland, Oregon. Orga- you are shopping for organic clothing. That is what you're telling our listeners. Apparently, I like free-range, grass-fed clothes, according to Instagram. And they're yeah, not who wrong. Who doesn't like free-range? <laughs> yeah, right. <sighs> right. And which which begs the question, like, how do they know all that exactly. stuff? Exactly. I didn't tell them this. I didn't sign up and say, like, please show me ads on these things. And good. Look, I get it. I am not against people making money on the internet. I would be a hypocrite, right? Um, I have no problem with Instagram making money. Um, I just don't want to be the information. I don't, I don't want to be the, what's it called? Um, the data. I don't want to be the data for, for yeah. their algorithms. Yeah. I want to be a person. Yeah. You don't want to be the commodity. Right, right. exactly. So um, I think for those of us who have been sort of monitoring and paying attention and for several years, which I think you and I have, several of our listeners have, many people have. In fact, I've gotten some criticism from others saying like, just get off. If you're bothered by it, get off. And I'm like, no, I actually want to monitor the changes. I actually want to know what's right. happening. Um, but there have been changes that have been demonstrable, dem- demonstra- demonstrably uh, different, um, you know, and, and I, I'm going to ask you to note, well, let me just do yeah. that. Yeah. What are some of the changes that you've seen? I have a big one that actually sort of sucked me back Ooh. in, okay. um, which is kind of interesting, but I'd love to hear what, what, what are some of the changes you've seen? that are are geared towards getting more attention. I want to know what yours is a lot. But um, well, I will clarify or I will caveat this by saying I haven't been on much this year. So if I name something, people are like, that was five years ago. (laughs) That's why. Um, And I might not even know like the the most, most recent changes been made that have been made. Um, So the ones that I can think of that are attention economy like are the stories, which to be honest, I didn't hate for a while. Like I... I heard a lot yeah, of people totally. complaining about that. Oh, they're just copying Snapchat, which of course they were. Um, 
But I don't know. I found it kind of fun just to see. Like, it felt a little bit like old school Instagram because people were just sharing things and not really worrying about how perfectly positioned everything was and what a great photo or how great a photo it was. But then it became the predominant way people were using it. And it felt very um, fast. Like, there wasn't any more invitations out there for like, just sit with this thought I have regarding this photo I took. It was all just like, here's a slide, here's a slide, here's a slide. Um, and then I, f- yeah. I feel like this year, n- not too long ago, actually, they changed it where you can't even do video anymore. You just, or you do video, but it's reels, which I've never understood. In fact, I yeah. think it happened while we were in Italy because I tried to, I, I took just some footage of the sun, the sunrise out our window at our place in Tuscany. And suddenly I had to like do a weird thing just to post it. And I was like, ah, oh, no, forget this. I'm not having it. So did you have to turn it into yeah, a reel? I had to turn it into a reel, I think. And I'm not having reels at all. Like I, I could go on and on. I sound like an old lady when I talk about TikTok and how terrible it is, but that's not what this is about, but it felt very TikTokish to me. And I'm like, ha no, I, here's yeah. the thing. None of this, I really, really want to emphasize this, is to make anybody listening feel badly if they like this stuff. Like, here, here's the honest truth. I went to confession because I was having a bad attitude about people who like Instagram. It was that bad. Yeah. I, w- I was not... So you went to confession to confess about having a bad attitude towards me. Right, exactly. People I genuinely like. (laughs) Isn't that funny? I know of, like, most people I know like Instagram. So that's most people I know, right? Yeah. Um, (laughs) So I want it it to be clear as day, no hard feelings to anybody who likes the app. This is all just my perspective and my convictions. Um, I mean, they're they're based on something, and that's what we're talking about. But anyway, I say all that to say, if you like reels, great. I just, to me, there there was just a fever pitch where it was like, how many more things can you do to make this so blatantly obvious? You're just trying to keep me hooked and using Instagram nonstop and having to figure it out every dang day when you change it. I don't know. Yeah. It just got to be too much. Yeah. And I mean, Instagram's responding to competition. I think that's a really good point that you made is that, you know, stories are an awful lot like Snapchat. You have them there for 24 hours and they go away. And, and um, you know, Reels kind of mimic TikTok. And I think that they're, you know, genuinely trying to be responsive to what the market yeah. wants. Um, and so they're providing you with those things. But those things are really designed to get you like sucked back in right right? to get you off tiktok or to get you off snapchat and to get you on instagram Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um so i get that i get that um i do actually uh like reels Mm -hmm. (laughs) you can believe it um but again i think this has to do with my curation um so there are a couple of uh accounts that i follow Mostly they're like ones I think called Planet Wonders. At least that's in my mind. That's what it is. Um, and then I follow these guitarists and guitar sites. Mm. And so my reels are awesome because yeah. they're always like something I can learn about guitar or um, these amazing sites around the world. By the same token, I mean, because it's my interest, that only makes me more addicted to it. Right. right? It only sucks me I in. Know. It, you know, once I get into one role of Planet Wonders, I keep going. and and 
as a result of that, what happens, right? I am on the platform more, which means I'm more susceptible to, uh, to the ads. Which, which honestly, you bring up a good point, if I can just say, because um, I'm going to miss a lot of that good stuff. There's a lot of yeah. good things being posted on Instagram, you know, music, musicians like you name artists are, are the big one for me. I have yeah. found so many great artists through Instagram. I'm going to genuinely miss seeing that art. Also travel. Um, I, I'm going to miss the travel accounts I follow. That's where it becomes such a, a trick for me is like they get me by sucking me in via those avenues, but then they hook me, they, they catch me via ads in that regard. So ads are just a, a tiny little part of the attention economy. There's other parts of it, like the good things that are actually good, but time wasters for me, ultimately. Anyway. Yeah. Do you find yourself on, and I don't want to talk specifically about Instagram, because I know that the answer for this is very different on Twitter. Yeah. Maybe it is or isn't on Facebook. I left Facebook like and have felt zero bad about right. it. Um, have you found yourself on Twitter specifically in the last year being more activated by political content? Um, no, but that's because what sounds to be true for you on Instagram, I have figured out a way to make Twitter work for me. So I don't see it any different than it was five years ago. Five, I, like I think... Five years ago, four years ago, it was it was just as politically activated. So I wouldn't say it's any less. Like it's still what people talk about a lot on there. But I don't uh, see much of that. I I talk to a lot of other people about other things, you know. Um, but but you're specifically talking about Twitter. I'm talking right? about Twitter, yeah. Which is yeah. What about Instagram? Have you seen a oh, shift in Instagram? Hundred percent, massively a, a huge shift in Instagram. Um, in fact, and maybe we've talked about this in Italy, but there's a weird shift of people sharing screenshots of tweets on Instagram and they are politically yeah. charged. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I feel like that has really ramped up on Instagram. And that's weird to me. Like, so one thing I thought about in my decision making yeah. process is this idea of, um, you know, we've got these seven cardinal vices and virtues, but uh, vices that we all struggle with and deal with. but. I think we are also our our natural bents bend more towards certain things than other things, you know. And for me, one of the the challenges for Instagram has been that just out of those seven vices, two of them that I've long dealt with my whole life and will just probably continue to be, you know, the thing that brings me to confession are pride and envy. And to me, Instagram are yeah. Are, is just full of things that tempt me toward pride and envy, whether that's like what I see or mm. how I feel like I'm supposed to post. Um, anger, wrath is a vice that I think Twitter wields effectively for certain types. But I feel like Instagram has tried to like up, step up its game in the wrath department. <laughs> like maybe we'll keep people on yes. with wrath. And not pride and envy because, you know what, all these other places, TikTok and Snapchat are getting some of that. So let's let's bring in some other vices and, and tempt people that way. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. I've never really thought about that, um, how certain platforms may... Uh, it may 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 tend to to heighten certain uh, vices. Mm -hmm. um, I wonder if if some... 
I mean, I wonder if they all kind of feed a little bit of our narcissistic oh, to some degree. For sure, because pride is is the cardinal of the cardinal sins, right? And so, yeah, for yeah. sure. You know, I think Facebook does well with sloth and maybe greed. <laughs> I don't know. They're, they've yeah. all got a, a toe in some capacity with these vices. Uh, but yeah, uh, pride and envy have always been just something for me. And, and Instagram knows it. And I mean, you know, when... <laughs> The the essay that I wrote, when I list out the reasons not to be on, um, I think really the one that hits home with me is that I never it, – it's been a long time since I have closed out the app and said, I'm glad I spent my time that way. Like, I, I miss those days when I would just yeah. see photos of uh, from tours and boards because they just have beautiful travel or um, – you know, mm-hmm. friends, people who are genuinely good at photography and and use the platform more for art reasons. I miss seeing that. I just don't yeah. see it anymore. So it's been a long time since I've left thinking what a good place that is. Yeah. Yeah. So if you could sit, if somebody were to sit down with you, let's say I were to say, hey, Tish, let's go to coffee. And I were to sit down with you and I would say, hey, look, I... I I understand why you left Instagram. I'm not sure if it's a net positive or a net benefit for me. I've really never thought about this before. Like, give me some things to think through to help me understand, like, should I be on this platform or not? Because again, I think you and I see, I think we actually see Instagram through very similar eyes. I think we we just have curated it differently over yeah. the history of our use. And so I can live with it now to where you really couldn't. Yes. Um, I think we might see Twitter a little differently. And so like, and there's got to be space for that, right? There's got to be space for different like views and thoughts of you. So help me, like if I were to sit across from a coffee shop and say, help me think this through, you know, what, what are the things that we would talk about? Well, I will also say, I think not only is that true, but I think it's also true because you and I are just different people, right? You're, you're a man, I'm a woman. I think Instagram affects us in different ways through that alone. I think uh, just w- we also have our different different temptations and hangups and virtues and vices and all the things. And so everybody's different. And so when people are hearing my process, which I'm about to share, just know your mileage may vary. Like you could have yeah. similar realizations and come to a different conclusion. Uh, and, and so just know that going into these things. So the first thing I did was I realized, honestly, I've been so focused on all the negatives. I hadn't really paused to to take note of the positives. And so I wanted to give Instagram a fair shot. So I wanted to name what are the positive reasons for me staying on? Because if there were enough or if they outweighed the the negatives, then just stay on and stop, you know, wringing my hands about this and, and move on with my life. Um, and so for me, I could only come up with four and I really tried to come up with more, but I really could only come up with four. Um, and honestly, you could almost say three because I divided one into two, uh, the first two, which is one to grow my readership, uh, especially my newsletter, my Substack newsletter, and then yeah, two to yeah. promote my work, like my books. So I could just smush those two together and say work promotion or, or writing promotion of some sort, you know? Yeah. Um, and then the second one was to keep in touch with actual people that I genuinely like, like you and Amber and family and relatives and just ordinary folks. Yeah. And then the third was the artists, you know, finding artists and enjoying their creations. 
So those are my yeah. three reasons. And then I had to ask, is this the, is Instagram the only or best way to fulfill those reasons? And I think that's important because Instagram is probably the easiest way to fulfill these reasons, but they might not be the, it might not be the best way. So it's awfully yeah. easy to open up the app and feel like you caught up with friends because you got to see, you know, their photos or just like a little onslaught of 10 photos from friends. And you feel like I just had an evening with friends, but it you didn't, right? Um, it gives you just enough of that taste of connection. But it, it it's like eating junk food, you know, where you're yeah. craving yep. vegetables and high quality meat or something. And so um, I think that was important for me to recognize. It's not, is this the only or best way? And for all of those except the last one, I realized that no, actually Instagram is not the best way. Um, practically speaking, there's some, you know, it's anecdotal, but some evidence that shows that Instagram actually doesn't have a great ROI for work. Like, book mm. promotion or whatnot. Yeah. Anytime we would, I would like post about this podcast. Um, when you look at the analytics, it would just be a handful that come from Instagram. By far, most people are subscribers to the show and are subscribers of yours and my newsletters. And that's where they hear about it. Yeah. Um, yep. Same yep. with books. I have a friend who will go unnamed who just had a major book kind of release and she tracked, like she did a really great job tracking with analytics where book purchasers came from. And 1% came from Instagram. That was it. Oh, wow. I know. I uh, know. And, and she's got a big following. I mean, we're talking six figure following. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah. And then as far as like keeping up with friends, it might feel, it might be the easiest way, but it's not the best way. Like, I mean, we know this, everyone knows this, like being across the table from people just can't be beat. Um, and then those of us who are far away, you know, like I can't grab coffee with Amber every week, but I can text her. Yeah. We can call. We can, I mean, th it's what people did way back in the day. I think we've gotten used to this idea of like, we deserve being in each other's spaces when, uh, I don't know. And by, and, and by way back in the day, Tish, you mean like eight years ago? Well, there, the, yeah, that's so true. It's easy for me to say, like in the 1950s, <laughs> but really, we're talking right in our childhood, in our young married lives. I mean, it wasn't that long ago, right? Yeah, um, we've yeah. just gotten weirdly used to certain things being the way they are that they become normal, and then when you know, it's like Wi-Fi on a plane when it's slow or down, you're like, what? And it's like, oh, come on. And then um, the last one, yeah, a begrudging yes. Instagram is the best way for me to keep up with artists that I like. And I would love to find a different way, but I have, I have looked and I haven't found one yet. I have found a handful of photographers who say they've left Instagram because of all the things we're talking about. Um, I know artists have websites and newsletters and I've subscribed to what I can, yeah. but it's just not the same. So I totally own up to the fact that Instagram is the best place for that kind of stuff. And I'll miss it for sure. Yeah, it's not the same. I will say, and and I want to get into this a little bit because I think this is important. I will say there are a handful of companies right now who feel like they're recognizing this tension for creators particularly mm -hmm. and are saying, okay, we want to make this a better place for creators. And we know that to do that, we're going to do have to do some things to heighten discoverability. 
Um, and we're going to use things like connections and some algorithmic rhythms and some algorithmic connections to like make, make discoverability better for you and more tailored for you, but not at the same time sort of cramming down this attention economy. And so I'm wondering, have you, have you seen that? Do you feel that? Um, do you, do you sense that there's a market shift that's creating, particularly with creators who are saying like, I don't want to be Instagram famous. This is actually poison. I want to do something else. It's interesting you say that because I have yet to see a response to the market demand, but I have seen the de- the market demand loud and clear in the past like 12 months or so. So yes, I have heard from plenty of artists, other authors, musicians who have said things akin to you. I This is not sustainable. This is not healthy. This is not what I signed up for by doing the art I'm doing. Um, having to just be a slave to a place like Instagram, I am encouraged to hear that you have seen perhaps a bit of an answer or maybe like a, a hint of people creating an answer or seeing the need. I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. I would like to though. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the people at Substack are doing a pretty damn good job. If I'm being That's honest. That's for sure. I mean, I, I now know that and it's not it's not a perfect one to one and i don't want it to be a perfect one to one but i i can kind of now see like based if somebody recommends for instance your newsletter right and i go and i look at the things that they're reading there's a pretty good chance that we're on the same yeah. page if they recommend you know recommend my newsletter or stephanie smith or john blaze or whatever and then I can peruse those those um, newsletters that they subscribe to because they'll say like, you know, this person also reads. And if I don't know someone, like I can connect with those recommendations. And, and there's a pretty good shot that that a newsletter to or there is going to, you know, kind of pique my interest. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that Substack's starting to do some kind of interesting things yeah. for at least for writers and photographers in that area. I agree. You're right. Area and... and I kind of like You're it. right. I I don't know why I didn't think of Substack when you asked the question because you're right. They have been a fantastic company. And I will say I think the reason they are different than these attention economy social media platforms is because we do pay to be on them. Like you and I give a percentage of our subscriber fees to Substack. That's right. And so they're not, they don't need to capture our attention or our readers' attention with ads. In fact, that was sort of the reason they started this was so that writers can make a decent living without having to compete against ads. Um, I will say another place that I've started paying for is microblog, um, micro.blog. And so I've set up my own place and that's where I'm just sharing photos now. And here's the thing. I, I, I don't think you can like, like photos. I'm not even sure how you would. You can follow people. I I looked the other day. I followed your micro. I followed over to your micro yeah. blog two or three days ago, and I was like, "That, that that's all this is. There's nothing to do. There's here. nothing to do there." And so it feels almost like a joke because we're so used to like, you know, give me things to interact with, and it's like I you have to search for people. Like I I follow about three people on there. I follow a Catholic priest I've never even heard of. I follow the guy who created microblog and I follow Alan Jacobs because he's an avid user and that's how yeah. I found out about it because he's all over microblog. Um, and so it, it's a non, it's not social media. It's just a, a, a place you can, you know, post things, but I pay for it 
and and I'm willing to because that yeah. means I, they're not gonna be weird on me like the way these other free places are. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I think you know maybe one day we need to have somebody from both Substack and Microblog on to talk <laughs> about this because I do I do think you're on to something, uh, w- which is you know we ought to be willing to pay for the work that we love. Yeah. We ought to be willing to drop some coin to support the writers, the artists, the creators that we love. And, you know, it used to be that that would mean you, you know, subscribed and, you know, paid, you know, $2 a month for a zine that would come out. Or it used to mean, right. you know, that you would buy a, a piece of art from someone or whatever. Um, what what it never meant was subjecting yourself to endless scrolls of ads that corrosively you know wear you down until you buy organic grass-fed boots or whatever <laughs> right well and you know i mean it, i guess it it became this thing where i realized you know i'm paying for people's substacks like i put my money where my mouth is and i i pay for about five or six of them that i read i'm still a patron of a few people who use patreon um Yep. I want to like I, I want to actually be consistent here. If I'm gonna bitch and moan about Instagram <laughs> all the time, I I want yeah. I want to be consistent. And so if I I mean it sounds so cliche, but if I want you know be the change you want to see in the world, that kind of thing. Um yeah. if I want something to change, I shouldn't give them fuel to keep their machine running it the same. That's right. So that's right. I, and I would also add, based on your story that you've shared with us today, um, if you constantly have to go to confession <laughs> and confess stuff because simply because you've opened up Instagram and it's provoked you, then maybe it's a good idea to jump yeah, off. Exactly. And I mean, here's the thing. Like everyone's experience is different. So if you have genuinely prayed, contemplated, brainstormed, whatever, um, about whether you should be on Instagram and you have a piece about being on there, God bless you. Like, great. I am glad you're there. You know, make the place better. Make it a a better place for people to be. Go with God in that regard. You know, so yeah, all grace. Well, I agree. And I think you've given us a lot to think about, uh, all of us to think about, even those of us who stubbornly, (laughs) I mean, after six months, I came back and I use it. You know, I don't use it nearly as much as I used to use it before my uh, six month social media fast, but man, I still like it. And so, I think you 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 can't just shut down the conversation. I think you still have to be talking about it, thinking through it, praying, meditating on it, you know, whatever whatever your bag is. I do think it's worth contemplating like do we need to be on or not. Mm-hmm. Um but at the end of the day, I think you're you're giving us a whole lot to think about and I guess my guess would be that more than one person will listen to this and say, "You know what? Tish is right. This is ridiculous. I'm out." <laughs> And that more than one person will be like, you know what? Tish is totally wrong. I'm staying on. And we feel good about that decision so long as it's a thoughtful decision. That's right. right. Genuinely no hard feelings to anyone who feels compelled to stay like you. I'm, you know, do your your thing and do it well, man. Yeah. I'm with you. Yep. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you for the blessing. (laughs) So that brings us to this portion of our show where we talk about one thing that is good or true or beautiful, yay, even sacramental. Mm that is uh, pouring into our lives. So Tish, tell me what is one thing that you are listening to, reading, watching, eating, perhaps 
that is bringing some goodness, truth, or beauty to your life? Well, uh, it is that part of the show in my teaching year where I am um, forcing juniors and seniors to interact with St. Augustine and read confessions. It is not an easy oh, read. Boy. And which translation? What's that? Well, that's what I'm going to talk about. Which translation do you that's know? That's what I'm going to talk about. Actually. Okay, come on. Let's uh, do it. There is a new translation that came out, I don't know, 2018, 2019. And this is the one I use with students. So it is a new translation by Sarah Rudin. And I like this one because it uses the most ordinary language I can find. And if I'm going to get juniors and seniors to read it, that's what I'm going to go with. I'm not necessarily awesome. saying it's it's uh, the most literal or the most accurate word for word, but it definitely captures the spirit of Augustine's confessions. And that's what I'm going for. Uh, you know, I don't that's know if, awesome. if anyone listening has tried to read it. It's it's not an easy read. He's very flowery. He's an oversharer. And he and this is a diary. So it's a bit stream of consciousness, right? He's kind of all over the place because that's what we do in our own private diaries. He didn't think 2000 years or 1600 years later, some high schoolers would be required to read his personal diary. Um, but it's just a great translation. So I'm saying this for anyone who wants to read it, but feels intimidated or has tried it and just keeps putting it down that Sarah Rudin's translation is great. What do you think, Seth? Have, you sound like you have a, a correct answer in your head. Well, it's really interesting that you say this because I um, read the confessions I mean, I've read them probably three or four times, but the last reading of them was in law school. So that'll tell you, that was a long time mm -hmm. ago, 15 years sure. ago. So I had to read it in high school, read it again at college, felt like I didn't really fully appreciate it because I was perhaps a little too Calvinist to appreciate right. it. Um, and then I read it again with new eyes in law school, loved it. I can't tell you what translation I read, yeah. but I've really been thinking about going back to like the classics that I've read that I maybe wasn't mature enough to read. And this is one of them that I've thought That's about. That's very cool. And so I did a, I did a deep dive uh, last week on translations and I feel like I'm more confused now than I was before. I <laughs> okay. Started. Understood. I don't think there's one right answer. I think there's plenty of good translations. Funnily enough, Tate is taking both. She's in my class, but she's also taking a college level class um, at an out of state college and she's doing confessions as well in that same class, same semester, but it's a different translation. So she gets to read two translations of confessions. Um, oh, that's fascinating. I'd love to hear her and take on So it. I'm excited to hear what she thinks because um, it would be really cool to know. Uh, yeah, I actually have encouraged my Substack subscribers in the past month or so to do that exact thing you're talking about. Like if there's an old book that you put down a long time ago, like let's say high school, because it was just hard, you're a different yeah. person now and it's going to hit different. So try it again. See if, see if, you know, your slightly older self likes this book that you used to hate, whatever it is, totally. or even like, and you, you maybe, maybe I'm doing this because you encouraged me to, I have no huh. idea. All right. Very cool. Okay. Seth, what about you? What's adding more truth, goodness, beauty in your life right now? So I'm going to, I'm going to complain a little bit. Okay. <laughs> okay. Is that, is that fair? Uh, can't I, wait. I, I feel like I want to be really honest and fair when we do this. Mm -hmm. And so two weeks ago when we recorded last, I told you I had found this book on my Kindle called Father Elijah oh, yeah. and that I had started reading it. Um, it's a book that, you know, several people have said is like sort of this great spiritual novel with spiritual themes. And I mean, overtly, it's an apocalypse. So it's an overtly spiritual novel, um, overtly Catholic novel. Um, 
I don't know. Again, I don't know how I got it, but it's one thousand percent on my Kindle. I just saw, saw it. I was like, "It's here. It is. That's weird. I'm going to read it." <laughs> um, I hate it. Oh wow! So, okay. yeah, it's real sad too. Um, it's 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 one of those moments where I really wanted to like it, and it's really sad that I didn't. I don't like it, but also it's six hundred pages long, right? Which I had no idea. Because I was reading on a Kindle. Oh yeah, it's deceptive. And I'm fifty percent. Yeah, I'm fifty percent of the way through, oh, wow. and I just decided like yesterday I hate it, but I'm not going to quit fifty pay fifty percent through. Um, so I will say this. I, I want to say this about the book. I want to ha- have a few caveats. Okay. Um, one, the 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 way the dialogue just splays out across the page for pages and pages and pages and pages with no like indication of who the narrator is like it'll just go back and forth in dialogue and the only indication that's paragraph breaks and it'll be for like pages interesting um it's really poorly done in that regard from uh, uh that perspective there is a lot of telling which you would imagine in a 600 page novel that the problem would be too much showing yeah Incorrect. Oh, man. It's a lot of telling. Um, so, but here's what I'm going to say. Because this is going to tie back to the truth, beauty, and goodness. Like, what's bringing some truth, beauty, and goodness into your yeah. life? So, I don't like the novel. Okay. Um, I actually do kind of like the story. Mm-hmm. I just can't. It's like hard to get over the novel components of it, the writing components of it. But then it struck me um, yesterday when I decided that I'm really not liking this <laughs> novel at all. Um, that this dude, his name is Michael O'Brien, the author. Right. He like swung for the fences. He's like, you know what? I'm going to write an overtly Catholic <laughs> novel, and I'm going to be completely unapologetic about how I think that art, because there's this major theme of art in the book, which that is a component of the book that I really do like. To be honest, um, I'm going to show how art and beauty works itself out in tangible ways in the real world that helps people be more connected with God. Mm. And, and I'm going to do that unashamedly and unapologetically. And I got to think when he was writing the 600 pages that he thought no one would possibly read this (laughs) book. And it's like a ton of people love this book and read this book. So many people Um, he's made, probably mountains of cash on this book. Right. And, and so there was something in me that was just like, you know what, this guy swung for the fences. He was unapologetic about who he was, who his characters are. Um, he did this thing like kudos to that guy. Right. And it really encouraged me to, to say, you know, like, Hey, you know what? I can be unapologetically who I am and write what I want to write. And not everybody's going to like it. I'm not the next Flannery O'Connor. That's cool. Sure. Um, and, and so there was, there was a little bit of a freedom from ego in reading it. Um, even though, yeah. I'm also being probably unfair with the writing quality. Well, and I like what you said there at the end. We can't all be the next Flannery O'Connor. And I think all of us want to be. And so we have to like, let go of that, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's just not, uh, it's not possible. It's not possible. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's what I'm reading. All right. I, I, I don't recommend it unless you're a big fan of hyper-spiritualized beach reads, because that's kind of what it what is. What a weird niche. I can't think of too many books I've read that fall in that category yeah it and it would actually be hyper spiritualized apocalyptic beach right right take it even further yeah i can't think of anything else that fits 
All right. Well, good to know. All right. It's time to wrap this episode up. You can find this episode as well as all episodes at a drink with a friend.com where you can also help support the show by picking up the next round of drinks. We really appreciate it. Uh, You can find me and how to connect with me, especially via my newsletter at tishoxenwriter.com. Seth, where can people find you? They can find me at sethhaines.substack.com. All right. Music for the show is by Kevin McLeod. Editing is by Kyle Oxenwriter. I'm Tish Oxenwriter with Seth Haynes, and we'll be back here again with you soon. Thanks for listening. <laughs>